0: good. Um, so everything that, that, that you'll, you're going to deal with in your life has terms. It has terms. In other words, the terms of this, is this, this is how this will be carried out in your life. It, it tells you, you, know, you get a diagnosis, it has terms that come with that. But as a child of God, you've got terms too. And they're His terms. So you can either deal with an, a situation on its terms or you can deal with it in his terms. And his terms come with peace that passes all of that if you'll let it. Amen? Amen. So after, after what you just said, I could just let him go. That was, that was a message. And Ryan, what you said, will preach. But I'm not letting you go. So turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 11 28 through 30. I just I do want to reflect last week if you when, when I when I had my mother up here here and I did an interview with her and I was trying to graciously for her sake even though she was going to forget it help you understand why I was saying that that was a moment in time is because she has dementia. And she can remember wonderful things from the past. Billy, she can remember your mother like that. But she'll leave out of here with all of that that happened last week, going down the road and be like, where are we going? Have no idea that all of that took place. So I, I just wanted you to know, and as I, I, I use that to correlate the prayers that you have for your children that are stored up inside of you. Believe me, or that are that are stored up in vessels in heaven, that God has all your prayers, and He can bring them back at the appointed time. Amen. But um, that was special having her. I, I heard a lot of kind words after having her, and uh, I just wanted honestly, I just wanted to share my mom with y'all. Uh, she's just uh, that's who she is, all my life, and uh, so. I was grateful for that, and I don't know how how often I will be able to tap into that. But I knew that that was a chance that that it, it, I would at least be remiss if we didn't get to do that. But um, if you'll turn to Matthew chapter eleven, um, there was an invitation that that Jesus gave to Peter in the middle of a storm, and Peter was surrounded by believers. They were all Jesus' disciples at the time. And I know you remember the story. It's when when, when Peter walked on water. But before he walked on water, he answered Jesus' invitation. And Jesus gave him a one-word invitation. And that word was to come. That's all he, he simply said to him. He said, come. That is still a powerful word in the kingdom of God. There are many, many, many thousands and thousands of people that were saved after a message from the great Dr. Billy Graham, the, the late great Dr. Billy Graham, who at the end of all of his messages would have um, a, George Beverly say, is that right? Have him sing um, that, that, the, the song, the invitation, I Come. Just as I am, what's the name of the song? Just as I am without one plea, but that, Thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. I'm kind of impressed with my memory right there. Sometimes you do things in faith, and that was a step of faith, I promise you. But, but the, the, the invitation to come is always there. From Jesus. And with every invitation from Him, there's an exchange that is supposed to take place if you'll allow it. He certainly comes prepared to exchange. Are we willing to exchange? Are we willing to let go of this to get that which He has for us? Yeah, My mind goes to several places. It goes to that story about the pearls, Christine. It goes to my story about the, the, the jewelry in the fine case. But there's always an exchange. I don't, I don't want to to go too far off of that. Let me read this to you, Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. That's that's Jesus' words there, by the way. What what an what an amazing thing for him. To say, and what an amazing invitation to come! That that's a standing invitation. There are probably friends that 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 um, come by every now and again, and you tell them you've got a standing invitation. You know, you got some people that'll just drop in on you, but you got others that they got a standing invitation to come, and I'm sure you're gracious. You're just hoping that they're not too hungry because you only got four pieces of chicken and you were planning on two of them yourself, right? Come, come to me, come to me, come to me. come. He's not just saying, come over here. He's saying, come to me, come to who he is, come to everything that embodies who he is. And that invitation right there is already greater than anything we can expect. Anything that we could desire. It's already greater. It's already more great than anything that you could give in exchange. You're going to get so much more than the little that you're going to give. And as you come, you're going to get so much more. Come unto me all you who labor. That word labor, I've got several words that I want to go through with this. But labor simply means this, to grow. T- it's interpreted as this, and, and, and it's um, the Greek word. The Greek word for this one, So I sound smart today. To labor is to grow tired with toil. Not just I woke up tired today, to grow tired with toil. That means I've been working or so, I've been working something or something's been working me. Because it can go both ways, can it? With toil. You, you, you know the, the song, Through Many Dangers, Toils, and Snares. That means stuff, expected stuff, unexpected stuff, toils. Y'all know what toils are, right? Nobody really has to explain to you what it is. But it means to grow tired with a toil. And if it's a true toil, you'll grow tired with it. If it's just a little nag, it'll come, it'll go, and you'll have a pain, and you'll forget about that pain in a little while. You'll be like, oh, it doesn't hurt anymore. Has that ever happened to you? Oh, something hurts, and then all of a sudden it didn't hurt, and and you're sitting there watching TV a little bit later, you realize, hey, that, that doesn't even hurt anymore. If you remember it at all. My wife has looked at me several times over the last few weeks and said with tears in her eyes, I'm so tired of hurting. That's toil. That's toil. I'm so tired of this. I'm tired of this all the way down to the soul level. You ever got tired of something down to the soul level? Labor. Come to me, all you who are tired down to the soul level. Heavy laden. Not are you just growing tired with toil. You're also heavy laden. So you're already tired and something's got a big load it's going to place on top of you. I heard a joke one time. And a guy was talking about having their fourth or fifth child. And he said, you know what having your fourth or fifth child is? He said, so you're drowning in a pool and your wife hands you another baby. Isn't that just horrible? But it made me laugh. And a couple of you are like, laughed. Uh, should I have laughed? Because only a few of you did it. It's okay to laugh. We love children here, Amen. But to be heavy laden is to load or to bear or metaphorically to put something on someone like they loaded me down with something and I'm tired and I'm toiling and then the next thing I get is another load. Have you ever been to the point where you didn't even want to ask what's next because there's an answer for it, you just don't want to see it yet? I have actually thought to myself, "Lord, what next?" And next came, and I'm like, "Why did you open your big fat mouth, heavy laden with burdensome?" But 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 here here here's what the true definition. This is what the interpretation. This is what the Greek word for that meant. in this is to be heavy laden. So what they were saying was, "We're already tired." We're already toiled, and this is how it, how it plays in on all of us like it played in on all of them. Because this heavy laden had to do with as if your daily load was not enough. This is what was being loaded down on them. The burdensome requirements of the mosaic laws of tradition and the consciousness of sin. Let me tell you, before the Mosaic laws, the consciousness of sin should be on top of that. Because let me tell you about what the Mosaic laws were. They were, some say 612, some say 613 rules. Have you ever heard of the curse of the law? The curse of the law was this. Out of 612 or 613 laws, however you interpret it, nobody could keep it. That was the curse of the law it was things for your flesh to obey it was things for your mind to obey it was a lot of things for you to obey it was so much that they that, that they interpreted it like this jesus was was telling them this and and jesus you're going to find out he was surrounded by people that were coming out of an old belief system and surrounded by other people that all they knew was the old belief system, and they had the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. All of them were there to wait their turn in line to question Jesus. For uh, let me let me trap you with this one, Jesus. Let, let, let me lay a snare for you, Jesus. Let, let, let me bind you up, and, and, and I'm smart enough to hit you with a question in front of everybody. It's going to throw you. And Jesus answered all of their questions to the point of embarrassment that the Scripture, I'm getting ready to leave you uh, share with you, shows that from that point on, Jesus shut them up so bad. From that point on, nobody asked Him another question from that point on. He was on his way to the cross. But here's the one thing that you know that Jesus will shut up is a religious spirit. Because a religious spirit is not a spirit of Christ. It's a spirit of religion. It's a spirit of religion is doing things. You can be religious about watching football on Sunday afternoons. It's what I do every Sunday afternoon. I I watch football religiously. It doesn't mean I watch football and read my Bible as I'm watching football. Go, hallelujah, go, hallelujah, go, praise the Lord. It doesn't mean that at all. It means what I do is this, and I do it religiously, right? So to be heavy laden, to, Jesus says, come to me all you who labor. or You're grown tired with toil, and then they're heaping these religious requirements on top of you rules from a child from childhood rules are a struggle can all those raising 2 3 and 4 year olds say amen i saw the cutest thing this week um i, I saw where they they started doing and, and, and you know everybody wants to video what's going on in their life and, and 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 put it out there for the whole world to see but this was actually kind of cute it was um they got this thing, I don't know exactly what it's called, but it's, it's it's like a candy test. And they put a piece of candy out in front of their child. And they're saying, now, now don't eat that till I come back. The child doesn't know that there's a camera on them. And as soon as they walk away and walk out of the room, the child is I mean, he's struggling with that obedience. I mean, that struggle is on. And one kid's looking at a candy bar and he's... He's like, I'm not, and he starts talking. I'm not going to eat it. I'm, I'm not going to eat this. I will not. I can't even touch it. He's talking like, I mean, he's reasoning it out. He's like, I can't even touch you. I can't even touch you. I can't even touch it. And then he goes, I can't even touch you. I can't even touch you. And in about a minute, it's only, it only lasts about 45 seconds to a minute. And and the parent comes because you can't test them that long. Come on now, you got to be reasonable about it. Let me tell you this, two parents, don't put your child in timeout for 30 minutes and they're 18 months old. <laughs> they ain't gonna understand that. Got to give you. You got to give. You know, it's got to fit the crime. The punishment's got to fit the crime, right? The little criminals. You know what I'm talking about. So I'm making you laugh. So I can massage this one in on you. <laughs> Same thing your sitcom does. By the way, watch out what you're watching. They 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 massaging stuff in on you every time you laugh about it. They're massaging it in on you. Make no mistake. So I'm gonna turn the tactic. But uh, but the mom finally comes back in, and she said, their first thing is, did you touch it? He said, no. She said, then you can have it. he's like, and he, it looked like he was touching a piece of heaven when he got that Snicker bar. But there were three little children, a little girl and two boys. And their little treat was just one marshmallow. I was like, come on, Mom and Dad, that's like... El Cheapo, you get a bag of them things for like a dollar. Come on. i like, but but these kids, for whatever reason, that sugar and that marshmallow meant a lot to them because they were looking at it, and, and, and the mom was like, you cannot eat these till I come back. Little girl, little brother, little brother. And as soon as she walked out of the room, the two boys, they did just like, as soon as she left, they did something to say like, they looked at each other like, and they looked down at it, looked down at it. But the little girl, as soon as the mom looked, she, she was looking at the marshmallow as soon as the mom left. As soon as the mom left, she goes. And the boys looked at each other, then they are look like looking at her. And then she did this. She finished her marshmallow without missing a beat. She reached over and grabbed his and. And then you can tell he's getting ready to cry. He's getting all ugly-faced. and so, You know, kids are cute until they start to cry, and they get ugly real quick. And then that was the end of it. But it it made me think how hard it is for us to follow rules, especially you cute little girls. I mean, y'all ain't getting by. We see how y'all are. Told you, My sister was here, one girl, four boys. And I said, she's tough as, as we can be. And the only reason I'm tough is because she did stuff like that to me. But the first thing they did was try to figure out how we can survive this temptation. And then we can finally get the reward. And to understand that these people weren't just struggling with life. They were, they were struggling with religious requirements. And Jesus says, I've got something that I will put on you, but I will exchange everything that you're going through for what I have for you. And what I have for you is actually going to be a blessing to you. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle You'll find rest for your soul. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. You'll find rest. That signifies this, to cause or permit one to cease from any labor or movement so as to recover strength. It implies previous toil and care. Its chief significance is that of taking or causing to take rest to refresh the soul of anyone. Let me tell you what has to take place for us to get rest. It's, it's, it's real simple. What's causing the lack of rest has to be taken away. I actually thought of you. Everything that they're going to do with your knee and everything that gets you to that point, in the end, it's going to be worth it. a matter of fact, As they say that afternoon, they're going to come to you and say, Mrs. Morgan, let's get you up and get to moving. And as our 70-something-year-old neighbor just got through with his second knee replacement, he's like, oh, you're going to love it. Oh, you're going to wake up feeling so much better. You know, what is a better? This is the South. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry if we got any northern friends here. You're welcome here. But we have to go through things to get us to a point, And rest is meant for recovery and strengthen us. No wonder the enemy wants us to be tired. And that's what I find all the time in my life and in your lives too. A lot of you, you're just tired. I, my mind is tired. I, I, I'm not just physically tired. I'm tired of even thinking about it. And, and I'm worn down. It's, have any of you got things in your life? It's almost like the, the, this thing, all I can do for this area of my life is pray for. I can't do one thing. I can't even speak out loud about it. If I even speak out loud about it, it's going to cause a riff. It's going to cause trouble. That's not easy, is it? It makes your mind tired. It makes, your, it makes you tired at the soul level. Well, there's, there, there, there's, there's good news for you, because if you can leave that alone and put it in the Lord's hands, you can find rest after that. See, we want to get a good deal on it. I, I've been looking at it on Marketplace. I've been looking at a little five horsepower motor, a little five horsepower boat motor. If you knew the toils that I went through to get that little canoe that I got legal in the state of South Carolina, I bought it. I bought the thing in Georgia. I had an affidavit proving that I bought it. The affidavit was from the man that sold me. He was the original owner. But there was no title because the canoe was 30 years old. And the old hull, all all they really needed was a hull number. There was no hull number on the boat because it's an old boat. And it was it, it was just worn away. So when I went legally to the DMV or to the DNR to get that thing registered. I have my $20. They're like, nope. They go outside and look at it. They're like, nope, can't do it. Don't It doesn't have a whole number. I'm like, well, let's give it a whole number. It's 30 years old. How hard is that? $20. I'm just trying to be legal right here. And the lady said, uh, after over and over and over and over and over, just, just going back and forth with him, she said, sir, we can't make your boat legal because it could have been stolen because it doesn't have a whole number on it. So you're saying, I might have stolen. I'm the guy standing right here trying to give you $20, trying to be legal. I've got legal paperwork. i got a bill of sale. But because the boat doesn't have a whole number, you're thinking somebody stole this boat somewhere. And I said this. I got so frustrated. I looked at the game board and I said, "So, what if I just put a motor on it anyway, and just go to the lake and take a chance that y'all catch me? How much is that?" See, y'all, your pastor had started getting a little frustrated. <laughs> so you're not the only one that looks crazy at the DMV or the DNR. So I asked him. I said. Whoa. What's it going what, to take? Uh, what, what can I do? How can we work this out? And at the end of that, they said, there, there's nothing. You, you can put it in the water. But if you put a trolling motor on it, we'll fine you. I said, how much is the fine? And I was very spiritual at the moment. They said, $550. I said, I only paid $250 for the whole boat. And you want me finding me that? I'm dragging this thing out, ain't I? It is good. Because I got a revelation. You're calling me a thief in essence. And I'm like, there's a way. We're talking about a $20 permit here. There's a way to prove that this boat was not stolen. I got the revelation. She's like, it'll never happen. I'm like, oh, you don't know me. With as much determination, almost almost as much determination as I ever had in my life, I got an idea. Okay. Investigate me for stealing the boat. That's what I said. We'll turn this $20 into a smackaroo, and you'll pay for it. They had to send me home with my canoe, send an officer from Columbia, South Carolina, to my residence, investigate me, investigate my boat, look at all the paperwork, and I enjoy I've never enjoyed myself more in front of law enforcement. And I looked at him and I said, is this as ridiculous to you as it is to me? Because he realized, and he was like, sir, I know, I'm sorry, blah, blah, I said, I, and it's not your fault, but why am I being penalized for this? This is a $20 matter, and now they've had to pay you to come from Columbia, pay whatever you make an hour, pay for the boat. All this process is going to and at the end of the day, I'm going to get my Certificate and he was writing me out a temporary one as we talked. He's like, "You're legal from this point on. What do you think I wanted to go? <laughs> I'm here to register my boat that is legal and will hereto and forevermore be legal. I don't care if that thing rots. I'll probably keep it." Current, because I got to go up there every year and say, Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm the guy that this should have never happened to. (laughs) Ring her up. That's what I want to say. Ring her up. (laughs) I done got side eyed with them now. (laughs) So now I'm trying to buy this five horsepower motor because it says it'll accept up to a five horsepower motor, and it's just a canoe. And when I put a five horsepower motor, I'm going to be riding wheelies out there in that thing. But I want to kind of get stopped so I can prove, hey, I'm legal. <laughs> your, 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 your whole thing says I can put up to five horsepowers. Look at there, 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 there five horsepower. Lower, below. And it says it right there, nobody scratched it off. Five horsepower. But I'm trying to work it out on. Uh, And I keep telling people, like, every time I see a particular motor that I want, I'm like, so because I'm still John, I don't want to exchange any money. I'm like, will you accept a trade? And what a response I get. You saw one of them. They say, four? Question mark. So everybody now, from this point, is trying to see who's got the best angle on making a deal on something. I said all that to say this. We approach God wondering what kind of deal I'm going to get. How much is this going to cost me? At the end of the, at the, end of the day, is your blessing going to turn around and curse me? It, it, can, can, can I trust this blessing? Or is this something that you're going to give me for a little while and then you're going to take it away? And I'll be wishing that you had never even done anything. We hold God. And a crazy amount of contempt when he's saying, I've got an exchange for you. And my exchange rate is not like anything else in the world that you would have to exchange for. My yoke. His yoke was to contrast the commands of Christ versus the commands of the Pharisees. What you're trying to put on the people, I'm not trying to put on the people. Let me read you real quick Matthew 22, verse 34 through 40. And this is where Jesus had just burnt them up. He gets a hold of the Sadducees, and they ask for it because he's he's just teaching people, but the Sadducees spoke up. And they said said, said to trip him up, they said this. They said, "Uh, we'll get him. Uh, about this thing about paying tribute to Caesar. Uh, How do you feel about that, Mr. Jesus? And he said, pull out one of your coins. He said, whose image do you see? Remember that story? Whose image do you see? Render to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and render unto God what belongs to God. You know what the rest of that story is? The, 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 The inscription on the coin was an image of Caesar. But you know what image is on you? You're made in his image. What does he want from you? All of you. Render unto God what belongs to God. So he shut them down. In verse 34, it says this. Oh, in verse 33, it ends up with this. When the multitudes heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. We ain't heard anything like this. In verse 34. But when the the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. See, the enemy's not as smart as you make him out to be. If he shut them down, he's about to shut the Pharisees down too. One of them, a lawyer. ask him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and all the prophets. And it said after that, he shut them down. And nobody ever asked him another question again about any of it. This goes right into his invitation. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Bring everything that's heavy on you. Bring every religious thing that you think is placed on you. And let me describe that to you. Every law will be hung on this. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And though the curse of the law is that you can't keep it, with those actions, you'll keep every bit of the law. You cannot break a law of God, loving Him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. Taking, but, but, but to love your neighbor as yourself, you've got to get your eyes off of you to even see your neighbor, right? It, it's not as easy as it seems, but it's attainable, and it's possible. So he said that you'll find rest for your soul. You'll find a refreshment at the soul level. The soul is this, the seed of the feelings, the desires, the affections, the aversions, likes and dislikes. Like you said, Ryan, it's not about feelings, but he knows that you have feelings. It's not about your feelings, but he knows that you have them because he made you. Can you say, he made me? If he made me, he knows me. If he knows me he knows what it's going to take to fix me, right? He said my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In other words, he says what I will give you in exchange for all of that fits you. Fits you. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. He'll fit he'll fit it to you. He'll customize. What he has fits you at the soul level. It made me think back to when when I was a child and my mom and my grandma, my, especially my grandma, my grandma, I'd go into her room and she had these paper, the, the, these little paper patterns. And these these patterns where you'd take that paper pattern and lay it down on a piece of material and you'd cut it out. And what she was doing was making a dress for my sister. The, the, these patterns, and she made it. She tailor made it to fit her. God knows your measurements because He made you. He knows your soul. He knows you at the soul level. He created your soul, and He's got everything it takes to refresh you at that place in your life. Psalm twenty three, and I'm and I'm finishing. I can tell y'all getting tired. Y'all getting tired. Look at your neighbor and say, hold on one more second. He got about five minutes. But he's a preacher, so it's subject to 15, 20. Psalm 23 The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He restores my soul. He restoreth my soul. There, there are scriptures that I looked up that I could have given you in the, in the New Testament. I, I couldn't find one that was any better. It was just as good, but, but, but that encapsulated it right there. He restores my soul. You know what that literally means? It means He makes my mind not tired anymore. The exchange when I come to Him, He will make my mind not tired anymore. to somebody who's tired in your mind. You're tired at the soul Level, he's got an exchange for you. In exchange, just simply in exchange for you being led by him. Let me promise you one thing you're being led somehow. (laughs) Either you're leading you, or he's leading you, or he's leading you. You're getting led somewhere. The deception would be to think that you're not being led. Because the only way for you to not be uh, be truthful about you not being led is to be following Him. And that's where you'll find a place of satisfaction and truth. Here's the exchange. According to Psalm 23, I will exchange everything that I've been for a place of no want, a place of rest and restoration, a place of no fear, a place of peace a place of protection, a place of comfort, a place of provision, a place where I am accompanied by goodness and mercy all the days of my life, a place of anointing, a place of never enough, a place that I don't ever have to leave and that I can always return to. Versus, if I'm not led, I'm to a place where I can never have enough. I will always want, I will always be restless I will always have unresolved issues in my life. I will always be, a f- be fearful. I will never have peace. I will always be exposed to anything the world wants to throw at me. I will experience loneliness, emptiness, and I will always be at a place where I'm uncomfortable. I will experience lack and that there will never be enough. And it doesn't matter where I go, I'll get treated the same way wherever I go. Wherever I go, I'll get treated the same way. Because no one can cover you like Him. No one can give you the peace that passes all understanding. No one like Him. no one like Jesus. His plan fits you. When I left my denomination in 2004, moved to Fort Mill in 2005, started this church. I left all my benefits. I left everything that that I had known up to that point, work, work in a large church, every place of comfort that I had, I just realized I couldn't do that anymore. So when I went to work at the place I went to work at, we had our employee meeting, and about three hundred and fifty employees there, and they started explaining what flex dollars were and flex benefits and. And we've got a plan that'll fit you. And you've got this much money to work with. And, and, and we'll find a way to, to, to help you through the hard times in your life. Flex dollars. Flex benefits. <laughs> you mentioned a time in our lives that spanned 20 years with our daughter Kinsey, But there were years... We were doing inner city ministry in Greenville, South Carolina. We had no insurance. We did have bills. I've never experienced the goodness of the Lord like we experienced. Trusting Him. Trusting Him. Trusting Him for food. Trusting Him for gas money. Trusting Him for prescriptions. Trusting Him... And learning that He's the only one I could trust. And even when I got to the place where I had flex benefits, I realized this ain't nothing like the coverage I just had. (laughs) Ain't nothing like it. I'm just telling you, there is a peace that comes from God. And the only thing standing between you and that is your ability to forfeit that by not being obedient. Is that simple? If you're looking for me to tell you that if you come to the Lord today and, and, and you put $1,000 in here, oh boy, things are going to start getting good for you. But if you don't put $1,000, therefore the person beside you that's going to put $1,000, how ridiculous is that load of stuff? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And he immediately begins taking the burden off you because he said, lean not to your own understanding. Man, can I tell you how many times I get in trouble when I start leaning on me? (laughs) Real quick. Lean not to your own understanding. There's going to be times in your life when you make decisions, when you start following him, it's not going to make sense anywhere else. It's not going to make sense on paper. It's not going to make sense anywhere except in heaven and in your heart. Can anybody say amen? Or even experience that? A place of trust. Lean not your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge Him and He'll direct your path. I'm not wearing my glasses right now, so I can't look at anybody. Perfectly, but when I said, He'll direct your path, I saw little nods. I saw little blurry nods going up and down like this. (laughs) He'll direct your path. He'll direct your path. He will direct your path. That's better than any Google Map or any Rand McNally or any GPS you can come up with. He'll direct your path. You know when that will get good to you is when you learn to obey His leading. You learn to recognize His voice. You recognize His voice. You won't be fooled by any other voices. Amen. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You that it is always true for us. Thank You for Your benefits like like david said bless the lord oh my soul and forget not all his benefits david had it right after blessing you comes the benefits god we're not focused on the blessings we're we're focused on your presence because if we get your presence we get your blessings too we're so grateful for that god God, I pray over the tired mind today. I pray over the tired soul. It does happen to us because we are humans and we are in the process of continually learning to trust you, though you prove it every time how much we can. I just pray over the one today who's just tired at the soul level tired at the soul level for whatever reason you know it better than anybody and though the enemy would try to make them think that nobody knows it doesn't matter who else knows as long as you know god so let not that person feel so isolated that they don't see you in the mix and because you're in the mix Nobody else has to be included. No one can love us better. No one can treat us better. No one can know us better. No one can feel the pain better than you. You are touched, according to your word, by the feelings of our infirmities. You know what we're going through. And you're so good to us. So help us to relinquish all of the holding on, all of the trying to make sense of it, all of the leaning to our own understanding and help us to make that exchange right now through Jesus, through your Holy Spirit, I pray. I don't believe it is your will for us to leave out of here with labors and heavy laden. Your word says we're going to have troubles, but you're not going to tack on another trouble to our lives. Because your yoke is easy, your burden is light. And you said, "Let let us learn of you, God. Let us learn that. Let us learn that lesson." You're not putting something on us that we can't take and you're not putting something on us that is not good for us. So we thank you for your burden. We thank you for your yoke. Thank you for who you are, Lord. Thank you that all good things come from you because you're a good father and there's no one like you let our lives daily be a testimony of gratitude to who you are. A testimony of thanksgiving of who you are. God, not that we just enter in with thanksgiving, that we exit as well with thanksgiving on our Let us live it every day. Knowing this, God, that gratitude is the great reset in our minds. It's going to be impossible for us to have gratitude towards you without thinking about where you've brought us from. And when we think about what you've done, we'll begin to thank you for what you've done. And that act of gratitude will begin to overtake the area of our brain that's trying to stay stuck and trying to stay low and trying to stay down. We can't thank you and stay in that place. Let our lives be full and filled with gratitude. Not just for what you've done, but what you're doing right now. And not just what you're doing right now, what you're going to do. You're going to stay with us. You're not going to leave us. You're not going to forsake us. You're always going to be there for us. We're your children. You're our Father. We will walk with you. You will be our God. And we give you praise for all of it. In Jesus' name. And if you can receive that, say amen. Leave it there.